0: Thank you, Barty. All right. Good morning, church. All right. Oh, those announcements are getting better and better here. <laughs> Looks like we have a broadcast going on. <laughs> Patty and Pastor Justin look pretty good. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, so, you know, there's always a lot of things going on. But but locally, too, you know, we have the central stuff. We have local things. And uh, so... You know, just we just want to make sure that all of you in some way will be part of the church, um, you know, uh, doing, yeah, there's, there's a lot. Of, anyway, the idea is to, is to be the church, especially during this time. You know, we all have masks and stuff, and things are always tentative, but, um, but always God's church is on, on the move. And really, that is kind of the focus that we're doing, especially as we look into the uh, book of Ephesians. The uh, series... <clears throat> that we're doing is called uh, Letters from a Roman Jail. Uh, St. Paul, the Apostle Paul, you would say, he, he's, he was imprisoned. And, and the whole point is that w- he wasn't sure if he was going to live or die. Um, you know, at that time, he was in prison. Uh, basically, um, you know, kind of in a way, they were threatened by him, thinking that he's going to overthrow Caesar. And he, you're not supposed to have any of that in the Roman Empire. And so he was in prison. And um, and while he was there, he's writing a letter to the churches that he had planted. And in a way, it's like his last will testament to say, if I'm not here, this is the playbook for the church. And so that's why we get Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And we're going to go through those books in order during this time. Because there's a critical message that he has for the church. We hear 20 you know, uh, 2,000 years later, we're still continuing. We have the Word of God. We have that book that's written to us. So there's something there that he, uh, God wants to tell us during this time. And so we've been going through this. Let me do a, a quick review of where we've been so far. St. Paul is writing this letter, right? And in chapter one, he is uh, helping us to remember who we are, uh, telling us our identity. You know what your identity is? If you said Say you're a Christian, you've been baptized, then that means you have been elected, then you've been predestined, you have redeemed, uh, you have a status, not in this world, but status with God. You have a new identity. That's huge and that's important. And, and, and a lot of us forget that. That's why he's saying that the Holy Spirit is what you need to make sure you get that thought knowledge. Down into your heart so that it becomes your identity. So that was chapter one. And he develops that theme a little bit more in chapter two to say that uh now you're in a new family of God. And by the way, it's not just you, one group uh, Jews, it is a multi-ethnic family. And you have the blessings to bring the whole world together. And now you are now part, the Gentiles and the Jews and all the Tribes, tongues, and nations, are, you're all part of a new family, and let's celebrate that. And that was chapter 2. Um, again, t- chapter 3, we look here. What he does is now he's going to conclude his thoughts, if you will, about the church. And he's talking on a more theological way, like, like 30,000 feet in the air looking down to see what God has done throughout history and seeing that the churches are in motion, which is the heart of God from Genesis all the way, and is finally has happened. Again, he's about to die. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die, but he's saying from 30,000 feet in the air, he looks at the church of what God is doing, and he marvels at what God has done and will do, and, and, and he's urging the church to continue to do. Uh, and, and, and he leaves us with this prayer the prayer that Barty read today, and so I want to basically take that prayer in the second part of chapter three, and I want to uh, and I want to see what we can glean from that because therein lies a message for the church today. It's particularly for s city church. So uh, instead of reading that prayer again, let me just summarize what uh, those verses are. Uh, his prayer is for the church to thrive. Not just like barely exist or hang on, right, uh, because the government authority is going to shut us down. I mean, this is a common theme in all generations, in all centuries. So, so nothing new here. But, but despite what's going on in the world, who hate the church and want to close us down, his prayer is that the church, you thrive, all right? Not just in this first century, but centuries to come, despite any of your circumstances, so that the church must persevere and be the church that God designed her to be. All right, that's all theological stuff. And, and the church is a gathering of this multi-group, multi-ethnic group of people from all nations, north, south, east, and west, gathering as the church. And he says this can happen... If the church understands not only your identity, but but have the strength, all right? Have the courage, if you will. Once 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 you get the strength, the courage, which is faith, essentially, and with that strength, you have the courage to obey God, all right? Obey God in what he says the church should do, which is fueled by the love of God. There's a lot of stuff I just said. I'm going to try to unpack a couple of these things, all right? So that's really the essence of Paul's prayer to the church. Particularly if you look at Ephesians, that's, if you will, that's his last prayer to the church. Because again, he doesn't know if he's going to live or die. But that's his prayer for the church of Ephesus, and it's the prayer for the church even for us today. So having said this, I was kind of like thinking about that prayer a lot. And, um, and 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 I, I feel like this is the focus of St. Paul's prayer, and and, and I do uh, and there's two things that I want to highlight. So show us this next slide. What I see in his prayer is is really is is kind of one thing, but but in in different angles. One is his prayer is that he he prays that God the Father that he would that he may grant you. All right, may is like, it's like, like may you be blessed. May, that's like a blessing or that's like the prayer blessing for whoever you're praying for. And God is praying, in a sense, St. Paul is praying basically, may God, may God grant you strength. All right, strength for what? So you could be strong in, for what? To have more muscles? No. To have strength. And, and, and with all this language, it in essence essentially says to be strong in your faith. So it's faith that's going to make you strong, you know. How do you become a strong Christian or whatever? Is is having strong faith. So that's what he is praying for, the church, you. And secondly, he says he says you who are the members of the church that you may have strength. Okay, Paul. Paul Saint Paul just prayed that you have strength of faith, but he also says. I pray that you have strength. Now, this is a different kind of strength. Strength for what? To parts to comprehend, to, to, to comprehend in your mind the full dimensions of God. You know what the full dimensions of God, he describes it, the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of Christ. Systematic theology, everything that the Bible says who God is, he says, may you comprehend this. This is how you're going to find strength. Knowledge, right? Up here. But secondly, to also to know. Now, you know, know is comprehend. Know just sounds like up here. But actually, you know, the, this, this know is down here. <laughs> so you can get the knowledge from your head down into your heart. Know what? That all this information about God, all the Sunday school stuff about God, translates to the love of Christ. So, so what you know about God is not just theoretical, but it's experiential. And that experience of God turns into the love of Christ, that you really get to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. Whew, there's a lot of stuff there, all right? It's a simple prayer, but the more I meditate on this, it's really packed, all right? So the question that I have with this prayer is that why is St. Paul praying this way for the church As one of the last words that's gonna come out of his mouth and a blessing to the uh, church in Ephesus while he was in jail, possibly before he gets executed. Why is he praying like that for the church? All right, I just told you what he prayed for basically, two things for God to strengthen us so we can have strong faith, and so that you can also be strengthened in your mind and you have love for God. But why? So I've been kind of wondering and asking the Lord what that is. Uh, This is his prayer request for the church, you know? If you ask me to pray for you, I would pray a lot of different things. (laughs) Not this, necessarily. But this was the summation of his heart for the church. Why did he do that? And this is where I landed. Kind of putting all this together, I see that the reason why St. Paul prayed this way for the church and for us is, to, is, is because uh, we need to be strengthened in areas that we're weak, all right? And, and you know, and we have character flaws. We're, there are areas we're weak. There are things we don't know. And if you really want to grow, strengthen those areas. That makes sense. And St. Paul is saying, let's strengthen where we're weak, church, and where weak where we are weak is faith so i'm going to talk about that and then he's and, he, and and then and then the second part of that prayer is that when we get strong in those weak areas right so therefore when your faith gets strong for instance then what do you do then 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 will have the strength or the courage strength will translate into courage to do what god tells us to do so essentially, I think Paul is saying, hey, um, let's strengthen our faith. Why? So that we can be super-duper Christians? No, that's not the reason. So that we can actually do stuff and obey God. It's really simple. Right? Who doesn't want to have a lot of faith? And who doesn't want to be a faithful believer and, and do things for God? I mean, all of us. But it just shows you that um, that's what the church needs. So anyway. I want to land on those two things, and then, I want to, and then I'll explain that as I go, all right? So again, there are a lot of weaknesses that we all have as people, but as a church, we have a, weakness, a lot of weaknesses as well. But St. Paul identifies that for us, all right? Uh, his first request is asking God to strengthen in his prayer, he says, the inner man, that is our soul, the, uh, the, the, the awakened soul, which is the Christian side of who we are. In our hearts, when we became a Christian and got ba- baptized, we have two natures, all right? We have the inner person, we have the new person in Christ, and we have the old person that's dying, the inner person that's growing, all right? And so, and so he's speaking to the inner person, man or woman, the, the new Christian in you, to start being strong. Strong in what? In faith. Our old person is dying, so don't worry about that. But the inner person is calling you to be strong, and that's the prayer, all right? Um, Because that inner person that we have, the faith is weak, and is praying that God will strengthen that inner person in you, in me, to grow up. So for example... Um, here's how, here's why our faith is weak. For example, I list a whole bunch of promises and beautiful uh, scriptures here. Mark 10 says, with man it is impossible, but with God, for all things are possible with God. Isn't that nice? <laughs> I don't know if you see it up there, but, but these are promises of God. Uh, um, here's another one. I'm going to just go through some of these. Uh, Mark 11 also says, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it and it be yours. Wow, what a great deal. All right, Here's the one in Psalm 50 that I hear a lot. God says, for every beast on the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. In other words, everything belongs to God, so he's given to you, so don't worry about anything. Wow. Really, everything that God has is mine. What a deal! I love that. Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Him, or Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, you're, you can do anything. And these are amazing verses, and there's so many more that goes around. And a lot of these verses, great verses, are on repeat in just about every prayer meeting and whatever you need. Now, I'm telling you, the, the internet is so, so amazing. Uh, you want a you uh, verse for this and that and other? Just type it in. There's some amazing verses that's going to say, great, you know? And they're on repeat all the time. And some of us know this by heart, and that's the only verses we know. Again, even though they're great verses, and, 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 and here's, the, here's my point. You don't need faith to listen to this kind of verse and, and believe it it doesn't really take much. These are very easily digestible promises of God, all right? And that's good, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is that you don't need strong faith to believe that kind of stuff. It's so good. It's so positive, all right? And you know, John Piper, some of you know I follow John Piper, and, uh, He noted that these types of prayers are prayers that unbelievers frequently pray. Um, And, you know, with with these kind of themes of praying for health and marriage and home, job, food, forgiveness, reconciliation, because we all need that. I mean, even Bill prayed for us. and, And, you know, these are things that we need to pray for. And those are legit things. And why am I echoing? I have no idea. But it's okay. It'll make a volume greater. And there's nothing wrong with that, but if we're only stuck on these things, and if our prayer meetings, if if our spiritual vocabulary is relegated to those few verses that are always promissory, that doesn't strengthen our faith. (laughs) Because John Piper says even unbelievers pray and take these verses. You don't need faith to receive those things. Does that make sense? So, so in the prayer that St. Paul is giving to us is quite different because notice what St. Paul is doing. He's not asking that believers, even in the last prayers that, 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 that is given to the church. Again, he, we don't know if he's going to live or die. But what is he blessing the church for? It's not for good health. It's not for healthy marriage and safe home. It's not so that you can get a job and make money and have peace and all that. Those are great things, by the way. But notice he's not praying any of that for us. Because you know what the goal for prayer is? You know what the goal for his prayer is? It's really verse 19. At the end, the clause, to be filled with the fullness of God. That's what the goal of our faith is is to be and he's praying that ultimately the, the more we get strong that we will find the we'll be fulfilled and content with what the fullness of God that is what St. Paul wants for the church that's how he prays for you and me and he wants and we need to start praying like that for ourselves and for each other that's what he's saying in other words the kind of prayer that St. Paul is Teaching us is, is God-saturated. It is, it's about Christ who filled that and it exalts Christ. The fullness of God, the theology of God going, going into our souls, that is the goal for prayer. So if believers prayed with this kind of faith that Jesus would fulfill their souls rather than Prayers like unbelievers pray, which is really consuming, consuming kind of prayers that you just need God for, you know, to get stuff. Instead of praying that way and and the Christians and us, that we start to pray with the fullness of God in that way. Then I tell you, the church will remain strong and it will thrive after Paul dies. And it will go on from generation to generation. That's what he's saying. He wants the church to continue even after he's long gone. And how does it do that? When the people of God, when you and I pray this way, live this way. You know, I don't know how you pray, but do we, but do our prayers sound like people who know God or who don't know God? You know what I'm saying? I mean, our prayers just full of, uh, you know, requests that. Prays for our aunt's neighbor's knees to be healed. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to be facetious here, but it's like those are important prayers. But if that is what's consuming us—just the consumeristic and practical needs that we have—is that if that is if if all of our focusing on God is only relegated to those kinds of things, then uh, then then um, we have to reconsider. You know. Because listen to what St. Paul is praying. Why must God strengthen our prayers to be solid? Why does he want us to have strong faith when we pray? All right? Why? Because this is really practical. Because when you, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, because when you decide that you're going to live for God and become a Christian and be baptized, that means you decided that you're going to be on mission for God. And when you say, I'm going to uh, uh, really uh, live and be faithful and be obedient to God, you will need real strong faith to live that out. Uh, to live that out. <laughs> what am I say? To live that out. Because he's going to ask and require much from us. You know, uh, this is a new year. One of the things, this is my uh, year two going in. Uh, I decided to read through the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, straight again. And now it's in Genesis, and some of you are doing that, especially those of you who are doing Time with Abba. You know, we go through, we do our reading. And it's like, I'm, re- I'm getting a fresh perspective again and again. And, and, and as I think about the people in, the, in Genesis, I mean, it's like God is picking up a guy, just a random person called Abram, and he says to him, you leave your f- country. You leave your hometown. You go out west, young man, with your family to a place you don't even know where you're going to go. and You settle there. And I'm going to give you a promise. I'm not going to tell you how it's going to work, but you know, you're going to be all right. Go. Will you go? This guy did. If you fast forward the story and then, and then, you know, he can't have a son, but he finally, God finally gives him a son at really old age and he says, and, and, and Abram begins to idolize this son and really, you know, nurture Isaac. And he says, give him up. Oh, that's a whole different story. Will you give up your most precious thing in your world? And in this case, it was his son Isaac to sacrifice him. It's a whole different thing. But will you, can you give up stuff? And we look at Joseph, read to him, he had to wait 13 years in jail wondering if his prayers would ever be heard by God because he was unjustly uh, 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 slandered and now he's in jail. He doesn't know what his future is like, you know? And I know the rest of the story. God says, "I love my people Israel; became a nation." But He says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna use you, Israel, as a nation. I'm gonna bring you back, and you're gonna be awesome." But before that, you're gonna be utterly destroyed by the Babylonians and Assyrians. Before that, and it's gonna be seventy years until I bring you back. I mean, you, what are you gonna do when God talks to you like that? Are you gonna say, "Bring it on, Father"? <laughs> are you kidding me? You will need faith, not just a, a thimble full of faith. You need a lot of faith to do what God really wants you to do. Habakkuk 3:17 through 18 really is a summary of what the kind of stuff that He's asking, because this is the kind of faith we need. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the yield and the fields yield no fruit, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there'll be no herd in the stalls. In other words, nothing's going right in your life, and you have nothing. Your stomach is empty. Nothing that you do is productive. What do you do? And the essence of that is verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God my God. God of my salvation that's crazy faith (laughs) how do you do that you know and the answer St. Paul it says God has to give you that faith and he's and he's going to strengthen it and once he's given you that faith your job is to work on it all right comprehending it and stick it into your heart so that you'll stick with it instead of giving up oh my gosh because this is so practical And I see more and more why St. Paul is praying this for us. Because if our faith is weak, church, we will no doubt buckle under this kind of pressure while we go through the valley, waiting, chronic pain, disappointment, anger, confusion, droughts, season of drought that seems like forever. Forever. And nothing is happening financially, career-wise, relationship, et cetera, et cetera. What are you going to do? It happens all the time. So here's the newsflash, Christians. Everybody goes through this, whether you're a Christian or not, all right? And if you're a Christian, uh, uh, how are you going to get through it? That's the whole point. No one is exempt from this kind of suffering, all right? But the question is, do we as a church have the strength to keep our faith, to keep believing and trusting God and trusting his promises, even though nothing is happening? That, that's really what St. Paul is getting at. Do we have that? Without, that, without the faith that is strong, strong faith, is, the answer is no. Usually no. And that's our weakness. That's the church's weakness. Saint Paul saw that when he was starting churches. He saw it centuries away. He saw arch well he didn't see it. He's not God, but he knows that every church of Jesus Christ has is prone to that, the weakness of faith. And that's why he's praying this way, not only for the church of Ephesus, but for us too, okay? So why is he praying like that? Because he knows that the church needs this kind of faith to thrive, to continue without him in the future. All right. Um, all right. Let me do a little bit more. But notice, you know, I broke down the prayer. One is that God gives, God needs to give us this kind of faith. Yes. But secondly, notice the second part of the prayer is that, that, that he prays that we get strengthened. All right in our minds to comprehend the, comprehend the knowledge the breadth and depth and height and length of God the knowledge of that so we can get into our hearts why verse 19 that's the final goal so that you may be filled with the fullness of God all right so the second part of that prayer is that you got to get it, you got to strengthen it by comprehending <laughs> getting in here, and to know that. Um, oh, let me, let me mention this. Um, there's a theory of this thing called the infinite game. John James Carsey, he's, uh, he's the one who developed this back in the 80s. I believe he was a professor at NYU, and, and, and he's thinking about how corporations function and so forth. And uh, if you know Simon Sinek, he is a consultant to businesses, corporations, and he speaks to them and they listen. <laughs> and, and the reason why this infinite game theory has become popular because Simon Sinek starts to apply that and uh, see, see what this is all about. And, and, um, and the more I hear about this theory of infinite game, um, I'm, I'm more amazed because I think St. Paul, the way he's praying, the, the way he's, he's uh, asking the church to continue, is it fits here. And this is what Simon Sinek says. He describes this this, this infinite game theory this way because there are two kinds of games that that is played in this world, if you will. There's a infinite game that he's proposing, but then there's a finite game. And this is what he says. Very simply, he says finite games are things like, you know, we're going to have Super Bowl, which is you know, football and baseball and all the sports that we do, and if you play chess and all that. Those are finite games, if you will. This is how things are done. In other words, there's fixed rules, there's fixed players, there's a goal, and you know when the game is over. It's done. And in that process, you either win or you lose. very binary. It's easy. We get that. Now, he says um, infinite games are very different, all right, like businesses and politics and life and any endeavor that you get into. And I will put it here, church as well. Infinite games are very different because players, there are no fixed players. They, you know, if, the, if Apostle Paul dies, the game doesn't end. So, so there are all kinds of players that come and go. rules are changeable too. We have to adapt and develop. And the objective is not to win in Christian faith. Can you ever win in Christian life? Well, you know, maybe you can argue that, right? But the objective of an infinite game is to keep going, keep perpetuating what you do, all right? And uh, there is no end point. Therefore, in the mind or understanding of infinite game, there are no winners or losers. It's just that we just got to keep going ahead and ahead. And the reason why I like that, because when St. Paul is writing, and he, you know, he's a church planner. he planted all these churches, and he's about to die. And what is he doing in the Roman jail? He's praying. <laughs> and I try, try to argue chapters 1, 2, and 3 is a summation of what he's trying to do. He's saying, I am praying that you know who you are so that you will still be a Christian after I die and keep going. On and on and on, because it's not about Paul. It's not about all these fathers, church fathers that come after him. It's about Jesus. That's a whole different story. But it's it's about none of us, and it must continue centuries after century until Jesus comes back, all right? So again, in St. Paul's mind, the church is an infinite game. And he concludes, again, 30,000 feet in the air, he looks down and looking at what God is doing, and he marvels at the church, he says this is amazing, and he, and he asks that the Spirit of God fill the people of God in the church, all right, so they will continue, and they will thrive even after he is gone, all right? The um, thing about infinite game that Simon Sinek brings out is, is, is not just how to play the game so it will perpetuate, but he kind of goes to the core of why church, for instance, that we exist in the first place. The whys, the understanding of why does a church exist in the first place, all right? And, and, and that's what St. Paul does. That's what he was doing in chapters 1, 2, and 3 to identify the core of our being, of our inner man. And if you go to the core of the core of the core, Jesus is the core. But for us, you know what that core is? It's faith. That's why he gets to the core and says, in order for the church to survive, you individually have to survive. And within you, the inner core of you is the inner person that needs to be strong. That inner man or woman has to be strengthened in faith so that what happens if you get strong faith? Then you can obey God. In all things, not the things that you think you can handle or easy things, but in all things that God is asking the church to do, which necessarily means He's asking you to do. How do you do that? By comprehending, by learning, Bible study, getting your Bible, reading every day, comprehending the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of God who is infinite. And get it into your head. And by the Holy Spirit, He will bring that and, and so that you'll know now the love of Christ. And that knowledge gets into your heart. And that surpasses anything that you know. Because the goal is moving forward. And the goal is, again, verse 19 that I mentioned, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. That your life will be so God-saturated that that Christ will be constantly be exalted in everything that you do. If you're in the valley, you're good. If everything goes well, you're good. (laughs) You know, in all things, it's all Christ. And you ooze Christ. How do you do that? Your inner person has to have that strong faith. So do you see why? Do you see that if this why, this, this core of why is why we exist as a church? And if one of you are like that and you multiplies and the church becomes a whole bunch of people that get why we are Christians, then it will constantly and necessarily perpetuate itself. That's the infinite game. And it's great. In this side of heaven, we'll never achieve, verse 19, we'll never achieve the fullness of God. But that's the whole point. We're always moving forward and we're getting better and better and better, all right? So let me kind of uh, land with this. How will our faith be so secured and that the church will display disobedience? How will, be, how will we live in such a way and be Ed City Church in such a way that the unbelievers will notice that, that, that Jesus lives here? And by virtue of our action, the way we do things, people will see that this is a church where Jesus lives. How do we do that? And I found this in, in the most peculiar places between verses 17 to 18. As he is praying for us, he's saying in the second part of prayer, he says, you, he says, may you have strength to comprehend and to know, right? But in that, he qualifies who you are. And he says, you being rooted and grounded in love. That little phrase. And, and that, that, you know, I've, I've heard that many times. But the more I thought about this, I really believe this is how we're going to be secured in our faith, um, whether we're faithful or not. The fact that, that who are you? We are, we're rooted and we're grounded in God's love. What does that mean? Show us this slide. I found this picture, all right? Okay. There's a house, and some of your house looks like this. <laughs> You're like, ah. Oh. You know, your concrete, your, 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 your sidewalk, whatever, is all broken up because of that tree. <laughs> all right, so you have a little acorn that turns into a tree. And you have a slab of concrete or marble to, to you know, lay on top of it. Who's going to win? The tree's always going to win. <laughs> Marble's strong, you know. But, but it always looked like that. I remember, um, because you remember, we, we lived uh, in Great Neck in our house. Uh, we had this long sidewalk, and, and, and that sidewalk was always cracked because we had trees that were hundreds, maybe two, three hundred years old. I don't know. And, then, and, and so it cracked, so they laid another slab of concrete, and it gets broken a few years later. It's like, it's like I love that imagery because that always reminds me that what is organic. Again, Paul says you are rooted and grounded in love. And if that is you, guess what? That love is going to nurture you, all right? So to know God, to comprehend the love of God, if it's deep in your heart, that the love of God is is growing, it's going to be so strong. It's going to break everything. And, um, And that's what's going to really carry us into generations after that. Let me give you quickly a bad news and then we'll summarize this. So, Paul does all this, all right, to the church in Ephesus. But I think I, I mentioned earlier that in chapter 2, verse 4 of Revelation, you know, the apostles, all the, everyone died. The apostle John is there. And the apostle John, St. John, gets a vision from the Lord. And he writes to the seven churches. Do You remember he writes to the church in Eph- Ephesians. And he tells the church of Ephesus they did some good things, but he says, I have one thing that, is, that, that I have against you. Verse 4, Jesus says, church, I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. And some translation says, you have lost your first love. Now that's interesting. If the root of love, like how strong this root is, if, if your faith is not strengthened and you don't get the love of God and is strong enough to carry you through anything, then the concrete wins. And in the church of Ephesus, unfortunately, uh, concrete and the marble and the Roman government won because there is no more church in Ephesus, right? Modern-day Turkey is a Muslim country now. There is no continuation or perpetuation of the church of Ephesus from there. Because, why? Did they have faith? Yes, but it wasn't strengthened because ultimately what fuels that faith, the strong faith like that, is love. But Jesus says, you lost that love. You lost that loving feeling. You lost that love. And when you lose the understanding of the love of God in your life, you're not going to perpetuate anymore. It's a finite game and churches close. Churches die. Ooh, like that. <laughs> right on time. <laughs> that also means we're almost done, okay? <laughs> so anyway, church, that's why I call, entitled this message, Strength and Love. There's a lot of ways Christ strengthens us. But it's really love that sustains us. Not this mushy love of God kind of thing, but really love makes you strong. Love makes you do things that just confound the mind of the wise in the world. Why? Love makes you love someone that hates you. Whoa. Love makes you sacrifice even when you don't have anything. You don't have money or time, but you give anyway. Wow. That's dumb in the eyes of the world. But that is amazing. That is what is going to propel the church. Oh, man, if we get a little glimpse of what God is saying to us and say, okay, man, this church is going to thrive. But at the same time, if we don't get the love of God, we're going to die just as easy. So we really have a choice, all right? So let's get back to the why. Let's get back to the why we exist as a church Why God called this church to uh, 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 put a seed in the ground? What is he going to do? I can tell you exactly what he's going to do, but you're not going to believe it. You got to believe it. You got to comprehend this. You got to let it get down to your heart. And you got to let the love of God strengthen you. Because God's going to ask you to do hard things so that the church of Jesus will perpetuate here in Long Island. The question is, will you do it? Uh, it's hard, probably not But if you have the love of God You will do it And that's awesome Anyway, let me pray uh, Let me, I don't know what you heard There's a lot of things I've said well, Let's just kind of uh, Go before the Lord I'm going to ask the praise to come up And help us Help us meditate upon what we heard Let me just pray for you Father I thank you that um, uh, Our church is a church that you have planted and that you want to do great things with. And I pray, I thank you that you have spoken to your people. Again, through mouths of St. Paul 2,000 years ago, through the Holy Spirit, you're speaking to us. Lord, I know you're going to strengthen our faith. That's what you do. Holy Spirit, you do that all the time. And I pray that we would, would get it, that we would learn how to strengthen the faith you've given us so that... We can obey you. We can obey. When you say jump, we'll say, Lord, how high? When you say go, we'll ask, where should I go? We'll be the first in line, God. Give us that kind of faith. Nurture that to us, Lord. We can't do this on our own. We're weak, and you know that. But I know you will strengthen us. Your promises set so. Help us to do that now, even now and affirm that in our hearts, and bless us. In Jesus' name we pray.